Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Mike Maniscalco. You're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Mike Maniscalco, and welcome back to another episode here at the Tracking the Storm Podcast. It is our 100th episode, my friend Matthew Soma. We're here, we're here in our party hats, uh, really just right. down. <laughs> um, no, but, well, first of all, thank you guys for making this possible and making us feel like we should continue to do this for 100 episodes now. Um, we've had a blast doing it. It's been a learning experience in a lot of ways, but it's been a ton of fun. Uh, I know Matt hasn't always liked me probably, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, we've we made it work. We've made it work. Um, we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments and maybe some other stuff about the last couple of years we've been doing this towards the end of the show today. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about. It is obviously a very, very big week in the Carolina Hurricanes franchise's history, really. Uh, last night, a game against the Montreal Canadiens, we had the retiring, or not retiring of his number, excuse me, the induction of Cam Ward into the Carolina Hurricanes Hall of Fame. Um, really, really cool ceremony. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the last couple of games since the Hurricanes returned from the All-Star break. And we're going to talk about the Stadium Series game. That's obviously the very big... Uh, other thing that's going on right now that is taking place tomorrow, Carter Finley Stadium, right across the street from the PNC Arena. Really, really excited to see what that's going to look like. Um, I am going. Pretty excited about that. Matt, I know you are not going to be able to make it, which I hate, but uh, I'll make sure to send you lots of pictures, buddy. Yeah, I'll live vicariously through everybody's social media. Um Honestly, like the the real reason I can't go is we're uh, we're going over to Europe with my family at the end of March, and I'd rather spend money over there, sure, like you know, and shit like that. So that's the real reason I'm not going. I would have loved to go, but um, just wasn't in the cards this year. Right, um, it'd be like that sometimes, but uh, well, hey, maybe this is something that will happen again at some point. So. Mm-hmm. All right, well, like I said, we got a bunch of stuff to jump into. We, I will just go out real quick. We did have some other stuff we wanted to get planned for our 100th episode and make it a little bit special. Unfortunately, those things didn't really work out. Um, once again, sometimes it just be like that. But uh, our presence is special enough, damn it. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, and, and we do have some fun stuff planned. It just won't be today really i mean we got a ton of shit to talk about it's not like it's the end of the world we got it's just still a special episode because we're talking about the stadium series we're talking about 
you know, Cam Ward. We're talking about really cool stuff going on right now. So all the same, still going to be a fun episode. Just uh, didn't have some of the things we had planned on having, which we never really told you what they were. So I guess I could just pretend we're still doing them. But, you know, hey, I like to be transparent to our fans. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about some hockey. Um, obviously, last night, the Carolina Hurricanes slept walk through 40 minutes against the Montreal Canadiens and then put the smack down on them in the third period. Um, I kind of made a comment last night. I was like, damn, like, you know, this is going on game three that the Hurricanes haven't really looked like themselves since the All-Star break. And I said it when the All-Star break happened. I was like, I just don't think it's coming at a great time for a team that's playing the way the Hurricanes are. I've said this narrative before or talked about it. I think the Hurricanes, often after long breaks, tend to kind of struggle to get up to their intensity right away because they are a team that is so heavily reliant on their forecheck and their, well, compete level. And I think it can be really hard when you're off for a long time and, you know, even just practicing, it's, you know, it's not the same, obviously. It can be hard to go from zero to 100 again. So I think we really saw that, especially in that Rangers game. The Hurricanes were just flat. I didn't think they looked all that good against Washington. And then again, the first 40 night or first 40 minutes last night against the Canadians, they just kind of playing with their food, as I put it on Twitter. And, uh, Obviously, the switch flipped in the third period, so hopefully that's a good sign of things to come. Um, I definitely want to talk about that first line. Let's see, that's probably a good place for us to start. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov was elevated, or, or I guess swapped with Tebo Teravainen um, to be alongside Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis. That line responded with a huge, huge night from all three members. Sebastian Ajo had a goal and an assist. Seth Jarvis had his first career hat trick at the NHL level. And Andrei Svechnikov, everything but score. He had three assists. He had a huge hit on Josh Anderson. He was hitting everything that moved in white, really. Um, but he just looked more like the Svech of old. And if we keep seeing that Andrei Svechnikov we saw last night, this long goalless drought is going to end very soon. Yeah, and it's not like he's not creating chances, right? You know, like everybody's complaining that Svech hasn't scored, but, you know, I understand the frustrations there, right? Like, He's frustrated as well. You saw one of those chances last night, like, yeah. a great chance, and, like, looked up at the ceiling, like, what the hell do I have to do to get a goal? Right, you know, he's he's clearly frustrated with himself, but at the same time, you know, the Canes fans are like, oh, he hasn't scored, he's not doing anything. He has, like, 12 assists in 10 games. Yeah. He, he's He's still producing, and I know last night, you know, he had a couple secondary assists, whatever, right? But still look at what he's doing on the ice and tell me that he's playing poorly, you know? You can't. Sterlo Sterlo tweeted it last night. He, like, I think in the last, like, 20 games or something like that, he's second on the team in points, and that's without a goal. (laughs) Yeah, it's he has, like, I think 14 points in in 20 games or something like that. I think it's 14 and 18, sounds right. Oh, yeah, 14 and 18. You're right, you're right. And and that's really good. That's, like, a 70-point pace. But, But since it's not goals... Like we've reached a new point where it's like not even points equals good. We're we're at goals equals good here. Um, <laughs> new level unlocked. I know. I I just I I get the frustration that he hasn't scored to an extent, right? 
Sveshnikov's playing really well. I think we need to start talking about how Kokinemi is over a 40-point pace in those 18 games as well. KK's been playing great for over a month at this point. Yeah, and I think, again, all it's taking is ice time. Like, all it's taking is he's finally getting these opportunities, and slowly but surely, he's working his way into creating more offense. Well, that's leading to confidence, and he's holding on to pucks more. He's showing the competence to make moves in the offensive zone when he has the puck. I mean, last night he had a goal, end-to-end rush, beautiful move, finished top shelf. And then the very next shift, he gained entry in the offensive zone, cut across the middle, laid off a drop pass for Natchez, and he had a great A chance. And that was back-to-back shifts. I was like, damn, Kokanemi, I mean, he's creating offense. He's he's doing literally everything you could ask for him. He's been awesome offensively for a while now. If you get that kind of play out of Kokanemi, this team's really, really in good shape. And I think it's it's you know you're you're talking about a player that is what maybe 23 right now. I mean, he might not have even turned 23 yet. Well, his he was Svetch's draft year, and that was the year that was 2000. He's 22. He's 22. Okay, so he hasn't turned 23 yet. So this is a player that is like four years away from entering his prime. You, you have a player who is going to be consistently getting better for the next four years. And, you know, a lot of people like to rag on Kokaniemi, but development is not linear. And just because, like, he was in the NHL this year or the, as a rookie at 18 years old, doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to be a star right away. I mean, look at what happened with Shane Wright. I'd even argue Yuri Slavkovsky. Kane's offer sheet target in 2025. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's a joke. But I think that the Hurricanes, you know, are getting consistent production out of him. I think Sebastian Ajo scoring in that game was also hilarious, just Really, really uh, rubbing it in on the Habs there. Salt in the Sebastian Ajo game-winning goal. <laughs> you know, so I, I just think that uh, as, as the Hurricanes have gone through that seven-game win streak, you know, obviously it was snapped against the Rangers, and then now they've won two in a row again. As that's happened, you've seen the team get back to their game. That Rangers game was awful and should just be thrown away. I'd even argue that the Caps game wasn't good, but you got to win. So, yeah, finding ways to get it done. It's it's that's important. And um, you know, we haven't met in a while, so so I do want to go back and actually talk about that Rangers game just a touch. Um, yes, I agree that it's a throw out the tape kind of game, but. I'm still nervous about how the Carolina Hurricanes match up with that team. I talked about it that night. I think the Rangers are one of the few teams that have a blue line that can kind of go up against the Hurricanes blue line. And their transition and offensive game is more superior, in my opinion. That it really does make me nervous, especially after they've added Tarasenko. It really makes me nervous in a seven-game series against them. And, I mean, the results have kind of backed that up this year and going back to last year. The Hur- I think the Rangers have won f- four or five games in a row against the Hurricanes now. 
in my opinion, that is the Hurricanes' biggest hurdle they're going to have to overcome in the Eastern Conference, even ahead of Boston. And I, and I may get some pushback on that. You may not agree with me, but I think they're the biggest threat to the Hurricanes because of that blue line. They have one of the best goalies in the league in Igor Shesterkin, and I think their offensive game is better than the Hurricanes. Yeah, the Hurricanes. See, with the, with that game, the reason why it's so tough for me to evaluate that game is because you're coming off of like a 10-day break and the Rangers have already played two or three games prior to that matchup against the Hurricanes. Right, in a vacuum, that game is not what worries me, but their style and and the way their defense is able to kind of counterpunch against the Hurricanes, who play such an aggressive game, they have eaten the Hurricanes alive in transit. Well, sure, but you didn't let me finish. Sorry. (laughs) You didn't let me finish. So, so like, you know, the, the reason I'm saying this is, like, you know, the reason why I'm more okay with throwing away that game is I think teams are, like, 13 and 30 or, like, something ridiculous coming off of those long breaks after the All-Star game. That makes sense. So, so it's not just the Hurricanes that are struggling against in these games after the All-Star break. And to be honest with you, the Rangers are a hell of a team to play against when you're coming back. I think, honestly, the Canes' defense in that game was not at the level that it usually is because of the break. I think that was also Slavin's first game back from injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I think the team really didn't get their legs until about halfway through the game against Montreal, if I'm being honest, because that uh, Capitals game was not good either. So that's part of the reason why I'm willing to throw away the first game. I, I think the Rangers match up well against the Hurricanes, but I think depth wise, the Hurricanes are better. I think the problem is, you know, the Rangers added a potential, you know, I mean, he's a former 40 goal scorer to their lineup. Tarasenko is a great hockey player. Don't get me wrong. But if the Hurricanes add players, they're going to need to find a player that is, you know, probably great in transition. Because the way the Hurricane system works is very different from any other NHL team. It's it's almost exclusively dump-ins, and then they'll forecheck the shit out of you. Yeah. And... Some teams can handle that. I think the Rangers are better equipped to handle that sort of system because of some of the defenders they have, especially. But the Hurricanes also have to, in my opinion, especially if they are going to match up against the Rangers in the playoffs, they need to add a mobile defenseman for the third pair. You need somebody that can be quicker than Calvin DeHaan because the Rangers aren't really a possession team. They just get the puck in transition and turn it the other way and try and score. And they're very good at doing so. And yes, yes, that, that that's kind of, I didn't have to say that, you know, everybody <laughs> should know that at this point. Um, but if the Hurricanes have Calvin DeHaan or even Brent Burns out there, those guys aren't the fastest skaters anymore. And... Jalen Chatfield's great, but he's not as fast as really the majority of that Rangers roster. 
Yeah, they got a ton of speed up front. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the Hurricanes defense needs to get a little quicker. But again, in that game, the reason why I'm not as willing to panic about it, I guess, is because the team just didn't have their legs back. And and they looked slow that night. So I think, I think we'll be okay. Um, I'm not too worried, but yeah. All right. Anyway, I mean, that's obviously we got a lot to look forward to as far as the trade deadline goes, because I do agree. I think they're going to look to add a depth defenseman, defenseman, probably a left-handed third pairing guy. And I'm still really curious to see what's going to happen with. Go ahead and say it. Timo Meyer. We'll see if the Hurricanes are going to pull the trigger on that. I know they've been involved in the conversations for a while now. Uh, one interesting note on that, we, we have seen the tweets going around today about the Hurricanes saying, yeah, we're not trading Nikishin, <laughs> which I, I not started a surprise. To, yeah, I started to tweet this earlier, though. Do you think that's the kind of comment you would make or like, you know, that kind of confidence is something you would have if you weren't pretty damn confident that player was going to sign with you? I I mean... I don't want to say anything. That's my problem. It's like, if I say anything, everybody's going to be like, Matt said he's going to sign. Uh, but like, I'm sorry. I put you in a bad spot. <laughs> no, you didn't. Like you're, you're asking a question. I think, you know, yes, it, it does give a bit of certainty to the fact that the hurricanes are possibly considering or like confident that they'll sign Alexander Nikishin whenever his contract's up in 2025. I think this also lets teams know that, hey, this is our top, top prospect. He's untouchable. And I think really the only prospect we've said that about recently is Jarvis. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, too, because the Hurricanes know, for, for me, it's two things. One, the Hurricanes at least are fairly confident they'll be able to get a deal done with Nikishin in 2025 or sooner. But, you know, again, the sooner really isn't that likely. And two, it lets me know that the Hurricanes think Alexander Nikishin is probably a top four defenseman as soon as he steps into the lineup. That's big. Today, if he could. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's the best defenseman outside of the NHL. I think he could easily slot into this lineup today. Yeah, God, imagine it would be fun. Mika Zibanejad comes up the ice and just gets hit <laughs> with the great wall of Nikishin. How nice would it be, though? I mean, you just ease him in on the third pair right now alongside Chatfield, and then your left hand side is Brady Shade, Jacob Slavin, and Alexander Nikishin. My God, sorry, I shouldn't even. I'm sorry, That's making me feel things <laughs> in places. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have even gone there. Yeah. No, it's okay. I think I think that would be a fun lineup. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on a little bit. Um we kind of talked about the last couple of games. Let's talk about the stadium series just a little bit. Um obviously we're going to have more recapping to do after the fact. I'll probably be giving my experience and what I thought was awesome about it, what I thought maybe could have been done better. We'll see. I don't know, who knows? I have no idea how it's going to go tomorrow. So 
we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I do want to just preview the game just a little bit and maybe talk about some of the impacts this kind of game is going to have on the Hurricanes as an organization. Um, and, and we were talking about this before the podcast, actually. Like, a stadium series game between the Hurricanes and the Capitals, it's not going to make the national hockey community care. <laughs> like, it's just not. But what it is to me is just a, a kind of validation of the hurricanes and like where they are right now as a franchise. And, and, and I'm not saying that because like only great teams get an outdoor game, even though most of the time an outdoor game has been between like a team in the, you know, upper half of the NHL at least, but it, it's, it's showing Matt used a good word when we were talking about it, how hockey really is thriving in this area. So it's a bit of a slap in the face to me of all those trolls that want to say this team should go to Quebec city or Houston or wherever else. No, the hurricanes are about to pack out of what? $7,500,000 seat stadium to go see a regular season game against the Washington capitals. Like that's big. It's really cool for the area. It's, it's at least going to give some national exposure um, to the hurricanes. It, and <laughs> it's going to be a little bit harder for the national you know, announcers or whoever to swoon over the Capitals the entire game because Alex Ovechkin's not playing. So that's good. So maybe we'll hear some more talk about the Hurricanes, right? <laughs> no, they'll 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 make they'll find a way to <laughs> they'll just talk about Ovechkin not being there the whole time, right? <laughs> well, so so I have thoughts on the outdoor game. All of them are positive for once. <laughs> um I think the first thing, and it's more of a question, but it's a it's a question that doesn't need an answer. It's for Brandon and the audience to just sit and ponder for a few seconds. Yes, sir. All right. So if I had told you in, let's say 20, uh, let, no, let's go back to, yeah, let's say 2016. You know, we're in the middle of the playoff drought. We just traded away Eric Stahl. You know, Tavo Teravainen hasn't been acquired yet. He'll be acquired in the summer. If I had told you at the end of that season that in 2023, the Carolina Hurricanes would have an outdoor game at Carter Finley and would be the fastest sellout for an outdoor game in NHL history, how would you have reacted? Because for me, I would have laughed at you in your face. Because 2016 was, what, seven years without playoffs? I think it was eight been, nine. I think that was because they made it in 18, right? They made it in 18, but we hadn't made the playoff. Or they made it in 19, in okay. 2019. The last time they made the playoffs was 2009. So, yeah, seven years without playoffs. You had also had... <laughs> Just no hope for this team. Like, Ron Francis had been the GM. This was his second full season. Yeah, second full season as GM. Team really wasn't going anywhere. Bill Peters wasn't doing good. And it was just hopeless for the team. We'll be on- Let's be honest. But now, we're getting an outdoor game. It just shows you how much hockey has just exploded in Raleigh. I wouldn't even say grown. I mean, the the amount of growth we've seen is exponential. 
where, you know, for a while you could wear Carolina Hurricanes gear in public and nobody would really give a shit. But like if I'm wearing a Canes shirt out in public, there's at least two or three people that stop to talk about the Canes now. Yeah. They're relevant. And that that's what Tom Dundon set out and Rod Brindamore set out to do is to make this team relevant again. Like that's so it's important. Like obviously there was a lot of pain associated with those 2010 to 2018 Carolina Hurricanes, but you know, looking back I I'm taking this if if the 10 years still has to exist, you know. Yeah, it's almost been worth it, right? To like see them come out and and become what they are now. Um, and I mean, imagine if they are able. And I still think this team's going to win a Stanley Cup at some time. I really do. Um, but imagine the exponential growth, even from where we are now, that will come with that. Like that's that's the that's the only thing they have left to cross off the list. Like they've been really really good, like top of the NHL good for a couple of years now. And yep. Brent Moore has breathed life back into this organization and Dundon. Like he deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to build here in Raleigh. Um, and, and I just think, I mean, that's, that's the only thing missing, right? Like winning it all with this team is going to be, it's, it's, it's going to make me feel some type of way, like seeing all those yeah. years of like struggles and shittiness and then coming through with a coach like Brenda Moore, who led this team to its only Stanley cup before seeing him get it done as a coach too. Like I just, the idea just definitely gives me the warm and fuzzies. And it's deserved. Cause yeah. obviously, you know, we wouldn't be talk sitting here if the team wasn't good. And if the fan base wasn't rabid, basically, I mean, you know, this fan base is crazy right now. Yeah. And it, it's really, it's going to do big things for the community here. Hockey's going to grow even more than it has, which is really exciting. You're going to see a lot of new people get exposed to hockey that may not have ever had it before. I mean, it's on ABC. You know, it was on, they were on Good Morning America today, which is crazy. Like, you know, that's, that's a, people watch that in the morning while getting ready, like to go to work. So, you're you're seeing just so much growth right now from hockey. That's exciting. And that's I think the stadium series, nobody really cares about it outside of the the markets that are playing in the games. Like the winter classic's different just because of the name associated with it and it's the fact that it's played on New Year's. But the the important thing for the stadium series and the reason why they're important is because of the local impact that it has. So, yeah. All right. Um, we got a couple more things we're going to talk about before we get out of here. But real quick, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a few minutes and get a word from our sponsors. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially the closer we get to the summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet, and you'll get up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. 
Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. This time of year, everybody's talking about making changes. That's all well and good, but most of the time it's pretty unrealistic. I know I'm always struggling with getting to the gym. I keep making that New Year's resolution, but it's hard to stay put, especially when there's so many people in there bugging you all the time, right? Everybody wants to go to the gym the first of the year, but I've actually found the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest thing can be a big change if it's something you use every day. Like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at a perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you use them in the gym, going on a walk listening to a podcast, whatever music or audio you need to listen to day to day, it's the easiest way to stay up to date. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery life that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and you still pay less than you will with some of the other guys. I mean, I have one at my desk at work. That way, when I'm working all day, I can sit there and listen. Plus, I got those at home for when I'm trying to record a podcast or listen to one. Either way, even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Between the customizable sound profiles, noise isolation and awareness modes, water and sweat resistant buds, and playback times between 8 and 11 hours, you can customize and find whatever you need for your experience. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today and you'll get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. One more time, buyraycon.com slash THPN. Now back to the show. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. Um, so obviously Hurricanes won last night five to two, but one of the other big stories six was six to two. Six to two. That's right, my fault. Um, Hurricanes won big. There you go. The other big thing that happened, obviously we alluded to it in the opening. Cam Ward was enshrined in the Carolina Hurricanes. Hall of Fame. Um, really, really cool ceremony pregame. Cam Ward, like, he's always seemed like such a nice, humble, genuine dude. And it was really cool to see, like, his family up there and just his dad crying kind of got to me a little bit. Um, really cool to see him and, like, Trip kind of embracing, like, Cam. That was, like, the first thing Cam said when he went up there talking about Trip and, like, how happy he was to see him doing well. Just a lot of really cool things that happened. And also, on that Topic, shout out to Martin St. Louis, who's always been a class act, having the Canadians on the ice to show their respect. I thought that was a really, really cool, classy move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the ceremony was great. And and I just, we're going to spend a little bit of time here. Just let's talk about Cam Ward, the player. Um, I was talking to my dad last night a little bit about it. It's one of my earlier experiences, and this makes me feel old as shit, but, uh, kind of tracking a prospect and saying like, oh, this guy's going to be kind of the next big thing. He was drafted like 2002. So I would have been 
eight or nine years old and, and talking about, you know, this guy's the next big thing. And it, it's, it's kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling to me to think back to me and my dad having this conversation about like the next big thing in net. And then obviously when he burst onto the scene in such an impressive historic way, leading the hurricanes to their only Stanley cup and taking over from Martin Gerber that season, Again, it, it, it's a lot of nostalgia for me because it, it takes me back to a time when me and my dad were, you know, I was real young watching hockey together and getting to experience them winning the Stanley Cup together is definitely a childhood memory I'll remember forever. So Cam Ward, I think he has a lot of symbolism because of a, it's a lot of it is tied to that rookie year, but he was such an impactful player. Like he was one of the faces of this franchise for a very, very long time despite the fact that sometimes his results were a little bit up and down. And, and granted, we can talk about if that's really even his fault, considering some of the teams he played on. But I, I just, I love that he was able to be memorialized properly last night because he may not be the kind of guy that you hang the jersey in the rafters, but this Hall of Fame, it's, it's I mean, it's great for this purpose, right? Because it gives you the opportunity to still honor this player without maybe giving him the same treatment as guys like Ron Francis, Rod Brendamore, Hall of Fame level players just about. Yeah, I think it's the perfect way to honor his career because it's not a he's not a player that I would have put in the rafters here. Like like retired his jersey number, so to speak. Nobody's worn 30 since he retired, but his career really didn't have many shining moments other than the con Smythe, right? I joked the other day, I was like, maturing as a Canes fan is realizing that it really wasn't Warren's fault, it's Jim Rutherford's fault for not signing a backup goalie that was <laughs> capable of playing more than 10 games. It's and true. then look at this streak. I, I, I'm sorry to cut in again on you, but he played 60, 69, 68, and 74 games with one year where he got hurt a little bit. He played 74 games in one season. No way. 74 games in 2010, 2011. That's disgusting. Who was Sorry. our backup goalie that year? Um, Here, I got it up. I'll... He had a 923 save percentage that season, by the way, but it was just. That's absurd. How the hell did he not win the Vezina that season? Playing 74 freaking games. And a 923 save percentage. It's ridiculous. And we missed the playoffs. <laughs> that was Skinner's rookie year, right? Yeah. yeah. So we missed the playoffs. But that that shows you just how awful Jim Rutherford was at building a team. Because <laughs> we had nothing. Who was our backup goalie? It was Justin Peters. Of course it was Justin freaking Peters. <laughs> that is Jim Rutherford should have been fired on the spot that season. I can't believe that. Yeah. Um and the reason I'm so mad is because like that that workload in a season is not healthy for a goalie. And right around that time is when Cam stopped being healthy like he started getting hurt a lot after that and his results 
were never as good either because he was routinely in about like the 910 to 915 range. He had a right. 923 save percentage that year. And then after that, he only had a 915 save percentage one time ever. Yeah. Cause he because he wasn't he was like an he was like a good NHL goalie, but not in like the top ten. But he was always like, you know, just slightly above league average. Right. Which is like 10 to know, 15 range, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Don't need to be like he, he was never the best goalie in the league. But the fact that the Hurricanes didn't get a backup goalie and didn't want to I think it's they didn't want to pay for a backup goalie. They ruined Cam Ward's career because he kept getting hurt and it was like his hips, I think his knee, like it, it's Cam Ward was never the same once he started getting hurt, and it's because they just rode him like a just horse for so long yeah i mean he was a horse like he was a heavy workload goalie and and he he earned that but at the same time you don't see that with many goalies i think martin brodeur used to start a ton but he was an outlier he wasn't you know the type of most goalies can't handle that workload to your point um and, and it, I don't know. It's, that's part of the legend of Cam to me is that, like, it's it's just really the length of time he was able to pull it off. He won 318 games with the Hurricanes, 334 total in his career. Um, That is a shitload. <laughs> like, it, the longevity of his career is part of what made him great. But to your point, like, who knows how many more he could have had if the Hurricanes had been a little better about giving him a night off once in a while and i i I also feel the need to add put a better defense in front of him too well that was uh, that was the thing i alluded to when i was talking about this like yeah i mean you know there was a while especially after that 2009 playoff run where jim rutherford thought that bringing in some 35 year old washed you know nhl defenseman would be the one piece that would get this team over the hump. And it, they always sucked. I remember he, you know, he brought in uh, Tomas Caberle, who sucked with us, Ian White, uh, Tom Kostopoulos, Mark Andre Bergeron, like just a, a who's who of shitty past their prime defensemen. Yep. And, you know, so. Cam Ward's career, obviously, you know, he was a very polarizing figure during the playoff drought, especially. But I think now that we're past that, we can look back on it and appreciate the player he was because Cam made this team relevant, especially in that Stanley Cup playoff run. We wouldn't have won without him. Can I throw a crazy stat at you real quick? You know I'm always down for crazy stats. Martin Brodeur started 77 or more games four times in his career in between in between 1995 and 2008 he started at least 70 games 10 out of those 11 seasons (laughs) that that should be illegal It's ridiculous. But the the reason why you don't see that in the NHL now is not because the goalies are bad it's because teams realize like Hey, we want to have these goalies for a long time. Again, Broder was a very much an outlier. 
Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, anyway. Again, really cool ceremony. Really glad Cam got to be honored in in such a good way. And he's forever going to be, to some degree, a legendary piece of Carolina Hurricanes history on that rookie season alone. Um, Just wish the Hurricanes had been a little better for him towards the end. Yeah. All right. They wasted him in stall. Seriously. That season that started so many games – Eric Stahl was 25. He had 76 points that season. Jeff Skinner was a rookie. He had 31 goals, 63 points. Like, Eric Cole was still around, 26 goals that year. Tuomo Rutu, UC Jokinen had good years. That team should have been better than it was. It's the only thing. I don't know. I feel like they were right on the cusp of a playoff spot. Were they not? It's, it's, it seems. They they lost. I've told this story on this podcast. I went That's there right. for, my, yep. for my birthday that year, and they, they lost – Badly the lightning to a game. really bad Tampa Bay team, and that is why they did not make the playoffs that year. That's right. Win and get in. All right. It took me a second, but uh, thanks for that reminder. <laughs> yeah. I All don't right. even think I, – I don't remember. It was like we, we had to win in any fashion, and we were in, too. Yeah. Those were the rough years, man. Yep. All right. Let's uh, close out talking about ourselves. My favorite thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> as we've said, today is our 100th episode in the history of the Track and the Storm podcast. Uh, thanks again for all of you guys for making this a possibility. Um, we've learned a lot, man. Like things have changed a lot since you can go back and listen to that very first episode we did. It, uh, Probably sounds a little bit different than it does now <laughs> to us. I think we've kind of figured out how to do this a little bit. Not saying we're, you know, some great podcast or anything, but we have fun. I'm saying um, Let's just talk about some of our favorite moments. I think that's a good way to go about this. Obviously, we've had like a lot of good guests on here. Stevie, we miss you dearly. I'm sure you're listening to this. He still listens all the time. Um, that's a joke. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. But anyway, um, that's definitely one of my more cherishable memories is is kind of befriending Stevie a little bit. And like, he wanted to come hang out with us. Like, that was so cool, you know? Yeah. um, I think that, you know, having the the connection we had with Stevie on this podcast is something that I don't think we're ever going to be able to replicate again, truly. And that as hard as that is to admit, like, you know, we had, when we had Seth Jarvis on too, you know, like Jarvis is just a great personality, but like with Stevie, you could just tell that he loved hockey and he was just grateful for it every day. And you get a little bit of that with Jarvis too, but I, I just, I don't know. There was something about Stevie's personality that made it special. Right. Um, man, there, there's so many moments that stand out to me. I mean, you know, I look back to when we started this podcast, right back in uh, 2021 and I think the Canes had just started playing 
best shortened season. Um, and, you know, the team has obviously changed a lot since then. And I look at just some of our interviews. I mean, you know, we've been lucky enough to have both assistant general managers on twice. Um, those are all just really cool moments for me. Um, you know, getting to talk to our boy Walt Ruff about the team and having him just, you know, bring his insights is actually something that's really special and cool. Um, I still think one of my favorite moments from this podcast is Stevie bringing on Suzuki to basically just roast his cooking. <laughs> that was a classic moment. I I can't think of many times where I've laughed harder than that on this podcast. Yeah. A lot of our moments like that are with Stevie, which is kind of sad to think about, but we're glad he's playing in San Jose. He's doing well out there. Um, <clears throat> and, and yeah, it's, probably not likely that we're going to have another player like that. That's like so happy to come on and shoot the ship with us again, but uh, definitely moments that I still go back and listen to from time to time and are, are very near and dear to my heart. Um, Jameson Reese and Jack Drury, having them on together was a lot of fun too, even though, well, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it was cool having them to come on. I mean, we've had so many good guests over the years and he, Wow, I can actually say that and have it be accurate over the years. <laughs> right, it's it has been two years. It has been multiple years at this point. Um, right. We also, you know, I I just think we've we've had fun doing this. Mm -hmm. like, you know, there are episodes where we're both low energy and tired and don't want to record, but as soon as we get going, it's easy. I mean, instantly, you know, we just pick back up with it and. You know, we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't love what we did. Exactly. And I mean, mm. shit, dude, right now, I, <laughs> I told Matt this before we got on. I'm trying to write an article right now. I haven't. I Literally, my last published article, January 27th. I checked that earlier. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, I think, you know, these these winter months are always very tough. And uh, especially for me right now, it's like the the urge to do anything is very low. I, I don't have any motivation for much right now, but um, doing this podcast is something I always love. I'm always going to make time for. And the fact that we made it to a hundred episodes is really cool. Um, Brandon, thank you. And I, we have to thank Alex as well. I was going to Hopefully he'll be back with us soon. If you're listening. <laughs> No, I was going to bring him up and say, like, obviously he, he was a big part of this too. I don't think we've ever really said anything about it on the podcast. Like, obviously he just hasn't been here for a while now. Um, he didn't quite quit and we didn't kick him off. Like, there's nothing like that just to clear the air in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> um, I kicked him off. It was me. <laughs> no, nah, he just, he had a lot on his plate and he just kind of took some time off and it it kind of, snowballed and became it's not a permanent thing like we still talk to him he's still our friend like so just just throwing that out there so shout out to him too for i mean he's a big part of why we started this and how we started this so yeah all right without without saying too much else because i know we both have to get this out this week before the stadium series game right. folks thank you 
100 episodes is a really cool milestone for us. We're still looking to hopefully have 100 more, maybe even more after that. You never know. And also, obviously, we've been doing videos. Check those out if you have not already. See, we're still branching yeah, out trying to, trying to try new things. Um, we've been talking about potentially doing a live show. That was one thing I kind of kicked around for potentially doing for the stadium series. But logistically, it just didn't really work out. Maybe by the playoffs. We'll try to do something like set up a booth or something outside of PNC Arena. I think it would be really cool to do maybe something like that. So we still take my dad's out. truck and just and just sit on the tailgate, Shit, yeah. swing our legs, you know. <laughs> so we're still kicking around ideas and trying new things. So stay tuned. Hopefully, we do have a hundred more to come. All right. As always, thank you. We love and appreciate you. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.